SAFM Social Conversations A warm welcome to Professor Andre Duvenacher, who is a political analyst at the Northwest University. Prof, good evening and thank you very much for joining us once again. Uh, good evening, Patricia. Nice talking to you. Prof, what do these tavern killings that have um, marred our country say about us as South Africans? You know, Patricia, if I must make one point about the challenges facing South Africa, I believe the overarching challenge is a lack of order, a lack of stability, and a value system to create stability. What we have seen over the past few years, but specifically uh, during last year, the July violence, and after that, incidents of sabotage, arson. We have seen what happened to ESCOM, the sabotage over there. And then at the moment, uh, the, I would um, basically say the slaughtering at taverns. This is symptomatic of a society that is falling apart. Now, I know the tavern incidents uh, are not necessarily related. Although I believe that at the end of the day, there are some reasons that are similar, and that is a society that is falling apart and a society that is not functioning in a proper way. Now, Prof, I hear you saying that this is a sign of a a state that is failing, you know, uh, things are crumbling uh, from the seams. What could be the reason for this politically? Because one would say, well, the onus is on tavern owners, the onus is on the individuals who are patriots of these taverns to look after themselves. But you are pointing at a whole larger system that is governing this country of ours, this rainbow nation. And so what would you say would be the reasons behind what we are facing? Well, uh, at the moment, we are still figuring out what is all the relationships between these things. But it's quite interesting that since about, I would say, six to eight weeks ago, the pattern within the ANC became clear that Mr. Ramaphosa's position is strong within the structures, the National Working Committee, the National Executive Committee, and so on, also on provincial levels, winning big provinces like Gauteng, the Eastern Cape, uh, and so on. And from that time, after we entered the Arthur Fraser, Pala 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 incident, and the related processes, it seems as if the country became a lot more unstable. There were incidents of violence here and there, we had the Kestel murders recently. We had the tavern uh, incidents, as you mentioned, in East London. We had it in uh, Gauteng, as well as other places. It seems as if the political environment literally overnight became a lot more intense. You know, I attended uh, a presentation at a hotel in Midbar last week. And the number of ANC members attend, and uh, they were singing all the time, kill the Boer, 
kill the farmer, and there was a racial incident. The end result was that people ended up in hospital and so on. So my take on the political climate is very negative. Now I know that people will immediately ask the question, but isn't this only organized crime? My problem is, at the moment, it is very, very difficult to differentiate between what is crime on the one side and what is politically motivated criminality. Your question, how can politics benefit from this, it uh, creates an environment of instability. People are afraid of instability. It's a threat to their lives. It creates uncertainty. And some politicians are benefiting from uncertainty, from people that are afraid, that people that you can intimidate one way or another. Well, um, I got a message here from Donald in Rustenburg when we started our uh, conversation. He said that, uh, good evening, Patricia, the team behind the scenes and all the A-teamers. I'm waiting to hear Professor Andre Duvenacher's analysis. He is always on point when it comes to political matters. Well, the conversation is underway. If you've got any questions or comments, you know how to reach us. WhatsApp 0614-104-107 or call in on 011-714-2006. Let me go to the lines. I've got a teamers with Good evening, Zweet. Yes, good evening, Patricia. How are you? Strong. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks. Um, yeah, I just uh, just joined in, and uh, I just speak about, you know, the topic and a discussion regarding uh, seeing the parents uh, and stuff. And, and from my personal experience, I'm a single parent. So, Zwide, right now we're speaking about um, issues around, um, you know, taverns and killings. I think you oh, and I can have this conversation after 11, okay? Oh, okay we'll have okay, this conversation okay, no after problem. 11 when we've got Dr. Zulu Matab. Oh, okay. No, Excellent. I'd love to hear okay, from no you. Love to hear from you. All right. So, um, Prof, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned, right, uh, around our discussion with all these uh, killings and taverns. I'm concerned because... There has not been um, decisive or conclusive um, information given to the public what caused them and uh, who caused them, anyone who's being arrested. And I'm looking at the issue of Enyobeni, okay? For instance, in that issue, in East London, Dr. Lita Matiwane, who's the Deputy Director for Clinical Services for the Eastern Cape Department of Health, was saying that um, more digging has to be done even though some possibilities have been ruled out, they've taken initial blood uh, um, results of which they were uh, they've received um, for blood alcohol levels, carbon monoxide, and so on, um, uh, qualitative uh, methylene, and so on. At that particular briefing, it was attended by the Premier of the Eastern Cape, Oscar Mabuyane. It was attended by the Minister of Police, Peggy Trelle. Okay, and Begitele vowed and said that they would work hard to get to the bottom of this matter. A couple of uh, weeks later, it was the Soweto and the KZN matter, and we are still waiting for all the results. So are we just talking shop, and, and this is from the political point of view, talking shop instead of actually getting things done? 
I would like to take you back before directly answer you on the tavern and tavern incidents, taking you back to July 2021. We had that huge, what people call, insurrection in KZN. Uh, they are talking about 50 billions damaged. They are talking about more than 300 people killed. And what is interesting, no one was arrested. There was no legal action coming from these incidents. And I asked myself the question, why isn't that happening? And the answer is a straightforward one, that this is implicating political elite and people within government structures that were directly involved that could be connected. You talk about East London. What is interesting about East London, immediately after the incident, people said it was a sort of a stampede. Then they said it was alcohol poisoning. And quite interesting, during the incident, the owner of the tavern weren't around. He was somewhere else, which seems to be strange. Now, you mentioned, and you're quite right, that both the Premier and the Minister of Police, Oscar Mugliane and Becky Tsere, attended uh, a press conference about uh, the findings, and there was no clear findings. They rule out the stampede, and they rule out the incident of uh, alcohol poisoning. Now, the question is, what happened there? Was it neglect of some sort, or was it a person that deliberately, or persons that deliberately wanted to kill other people? And at the moment, it is not sure. What is sure is there is a climate of uncertainty. People are concerned about this situation, and. Uh, I think that is part of a bigger, more comprehensive strategy. After that, we had the shootings here in Gauteng. We had the Kestel murders. Now it's difficult to just connect all these things. But to me, the interesting one is the timing of these incidents. It's also in interesting to, uh, when we had the arson incidents, it was close to political dates. I think the one in Parliament was very close to the 8 January statement. Then some of the other incidents happened when the Zondo Commission report became public. There are some political symbolism and timing in some of these incidents. I don't have the full picture, but I believe if you could analyze this, in a proper way, it is highly likely that you will find a relationship of some sort. Sure. Now, you know, others might say, no, Professor Dubunaka, you are, you, you are now trying to get to some conspiracy theories there with trying to, you know, look at big incidents that happen politically and then the, 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 the fatal incidents that happen on community level. But there is a, a huge criminal element here. Whether it is orchestrated from other, uh, you know, higher levels or it's just, you know, um, it, it's just, 
I, I, I don't know even how to describe, but it's well, criminal because yeah. people are dying and um, people are dying in townships. People are dying in lower SEM areas. People are dying in previously disadvantaged areas. And that is very concerning. Yes, uh, indeed you are quite right. Now, if you read the words of the Oxford scholar R.W. Johnson about the politics of the ANC and the politics specifically of the ANC in a province like KZN, he will link it directly to forms of criminal structures where you basically have syndicates, where you have warlords that are functioning, where you have these groups of assassins that are in operation doing the political killings. Now, I think it's sometimes easy to say this is conspiracy, but there are also evidence in this regard. And one of the evidence is that more than 400 people were politically assassinated since 1994. I believe, depending on your definition, it may be more. But what is interesting to me is the political timing of all of this. The timing coincide with the release of the Zondo report, the implications this has for political elites, and it's also a way to put pressure on the Ramaphosa government. It is quite interesting, Patricia, about seven, eight weeks ago, I had a conversation with one of my colleagues. He's also a commentator, and you know the ANC very well. And he told me that the chances that President Ramaphosa will be re-elected is more than 80%. This evening I attended a meeting of uh, some influential leaders in, in the community. We had a webinar, and some of them told us that he believed that the time for Mr. Ramaphosa may run out sooner rather than later. He even gave a, a time frame to it. But will that, that change anything? Prof, will, will the change of the current president mean anything for ordinary South Africans, especially no, those in vulnerable communities? It won't. It won't. So wh- why is uh, it something that we are punting forward? Why are we not putting on a political level, from societal level, why are we not putting more emphasis on work that really needs to be done, um, service delivery, especially when it comes to um, security and safety? You are absolutely right. Uh, we need to put the emphasis on other things. But unfortunately, people are defining sometimes their interests more in a private or a particular way than in the general terms of the common good or the greater good. And that is the problem. Everyone is fighting for their own survival at a micro level. There's not a sense of community. There's not a sense of common good. And that is when I'm making presentations. I'm always telling the people specifically with the current challenges, it is time to build bridges among groups between groups. And it's time to look forward to redefine ourselves. Because 
we really need to reform the whole system we are in. And there are huge parallels between the situation towards the end of the 80s in South Africa and what we are currently experiencing as a country. The big main thing is the need for the fundamental reform of the system. And that's a lot more than what a single leader can do. But at the moment, there are interest groups working against reforms. There are people that are openly fighting the findings of the Zondo Commission. They would like to see the Zondo Commission going the same way as the Arms Deal Commission, as uh, the Sereti Commission I'm referring to, as well as the, the, the commission that investigated the assassination attempts. So uh, definitely there are dark forces at work in our society at the moment, and this is an extremely difficult and challenging time we are in at the moment. Let's go to a voice note from an A-teamer. Uh, good evening, Patricia and the team, together with the professor there and the fellow listeners. This is Mikateko from Japani. Yeah, you know, things are bad. We, I believe we're still going to see a lot of what happened in, in uh, Enyobeni and uh, other taverns. The reason being that uh, parents no longer have the authority to discipline their children in a way that we know how you see so if we can't discipline them because they've got more rights and remember children don't have responsibilities so if rights goes with no responsibility they are a doom to that particular child just on saturday i met children who are ranging from between 12 and 16 years there were six girls they were sharing a beer what future do we have there it's bad Sure, indeed, it is bad. Um, parents have a responsibility as much as uh, government has a responsibility, and we all have to play our part. This message from uh, Kat in uh, Peter Maritzburg. Kat says, hi, Patricia. Does Professor Duvenacher have any thoughts on whether all the distressing events, including load shedding, food and fuel price increases, causing, are causing so much public frustration, could be orchestrated under current efforts to cause racial tensions without having to take direct responsibility. How can SA's people start moving back towards good neighborly, um, neighborliness and mutual respect and kindness? Prof, that's a question for you. Any thoughts? Okay. Uh, two, two questions. Uh, firstly, I would like to react to the first one. I agree mm-hmm. completely. If you allow people freedom, you must balance that with responsibility. And I think the big problem, not only on a child's level in South Africa, but also in a general level is that we have a lot of rights, but we are not responsible in the same way. And that is why we end up with things like endemic corruption, state capture, and so on. That's my first reaction to question one. About question two, I think the big challenge is in a way still to create a South African nation. And it's interesting that on a daily basis, I am talking to an Indian station, and 
I had long conversations with these people who are very, very concerned about their own situation, specifically after the July violence. And they asked me on a constant basis, how can we make connections? How can we build together? How can we establish defense systems against criminals, looters, and people who would like to disrupt society. I believe that we can find each other in terms of a set of values. And the majority of these values are entrenched in our Constitution. But unfortunately, it's not enough to have it in your Constitution. You need to have it in your heart. It should be written in your heart. And you should act accordingly. My problem is that we are not living the values we are talking about all the time. And I think that is why yesterday was his birthday. That is why Nelson Mandela was such a remarkable figure. Because he had the ability to forgive and forget. Took people together and helped build a better future. And I think that should be the direction we should take. But I think there's still a long road ahead, but anyone can make a difference. Even if it's a small difference, it can contribute in promoting what I earlier referred to as the common good. All right, as uh, we are about to close up, let me read these two messages uh, from our SMS line saying black people are still going to be pitted against each other as long as we have people like Ntlantalaks who preach hatred towards other black people. Stoking violence opens a window for a third force to operate. The other one says, Patricia, the killings at Soweto Tavern lands, free state, um, I think all linked to Basutu, especially illegal miners. This is from John, who is in Johannesburg. As we close off, what are your closing comments, Prof? Yes, uh, what the specific reasons was for the the, uh, killings in the taverns aren't precisely clear. That is why I made the point it should be investigated. Uh, And it is probably that there will be direct explanations. But my concerns is that politicians are in many cases using these type of situations to gain something from that. And that is the concern. There's something politically on top of it. But generally speaking, the country is becoming more unstable. And uh, already we have a figure of uh, rape incidents of more of uh, more than 100 per day and more than, I think, about 55 murders on a daily basis in South Africa. In security index terms, South Africa is compared to countries where there's an active civil war going on, and that is concerning. Last point I'd like to make is uh, the point about the children and responsibility. I have seen statistics of the Institute of Race Relations, I think it was 2019 or 2018 statistics. At that point in time, there was something like 19 million children 
in South Africa that is, I think, 16 at under or something like that. And 7 million of them only had one parent and close to 7 million had no parents at all. So we are living in a society that don't have a strong social structure and base. And that is one of the big problems. And that also has a big impact on the economy. It has an impact on politics and political stability, uh, especially in an environment where unemployment is currently uh, at around 46%. Well, let's leave it at that. Uh, Professor um, Duvenacher, thank you very much for joining us. Looking forward to more um, interactions with you. Thank you very much.